0: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Well, final hour this Monday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. More phone calls, best and worst of the weekend. Mike Tannenbaum, former NFL GM, has come out and said Aaron Rodgers is being selfish by delaying his decision. We'll talk to Mike Tannenbaum. He'll join us at the Combine. Wrap that up as well. We like to look at the combine and how it impacts the first round of the draft. Those who are on the rise, those who are falling. So, uh, coach or, uh, Mike Tannenbaum will join us coming up in a little bit. There was a lot made out of what happened after North Carolina beat Duke. Hubert Davis, the uh, North Carolina head coach, was snubbed post game handshake. And as you're watching this, that the, the uh, Duke assistant coaches, Chris Carrollwell, and uh, Nolan Smith, uh, I don't know if they were uh, refusing to shake Hubert Davis's hand for a reason. Now, Nolan Smith did shake Davis's hand, but appeared to look the other way while doing so, going through the motions. Now, there was a story on ESPN on Wednesday that suggested that people within the Duke basketball program were upset that North Carolina didn't honor Coach K during his farewell tour. While all the other ACC schools did. Coach K's final trip to the Dean Smith Center, Duke won by 20. That was February 5th. There was no acknowledgement by North Carolina other than a brief mention of Coach K at the beginning of the game. Hubert Davis said he didn't understand why the uh, Duke assistant coaches took blame, took issue, I should say. He goes, I don't know what the point was. I didn't play against them, I don't know him personally but it might stem from North Carolina not acknowledging Coach K. So is it petty on Duke's end? Is it petty on North Carolina's end to not acknowledge Coach K? Yes, Paul. That's
1: what I was going to ask you. Did North Carolina gave him some type of mention, welcome Coach K and at the last game at uh, the Dean Dome. Are they supposed to give him a, a, a wheelchair and have a special ceremony before the game?
0: Everybody else did. Everybody else acknowledged it. Everybody
1: else is not at all similar in the rivalry uh, levels of North Carolina and Duke. Those are the teams he whooped up on for you. I don't know. I don't know if you have to do a presentation.
0: No, you don't have to. But I don't have any problem that North Carolina didn't acknowledge. That this is a rivalry. You know, let's not make any mistake here. This is a rivalry. Now, would I think you would do that just out of class? If Dean Smith was still there, Roy Williams still there, I would say that they would because they have a relationship with Coach K. Hubert Davis just got there. Now, I don't know who's the one deciding this, but I don't think there's any way Dean Smith does not acknowledge Coach K or Roy Williams. Don't think so. But if Hubert Davis says, look, I played in this rivalry and this rivalry continues, I'm not going to fake it, you know, if if that's what his mindset is on it. And I don't know this, but if I'm Duke – was like, there's so many other things that I would be concerned about than they didn't acknowledge Coach K. Yeah, Seaton. Well, I'll tell you one thing I know. Nobody,
2: and I mean absolutely nobody snubs Chris Carrowell. No. <laughs> yeah. Nobody. That's the story here. Okay. Okay. Just okay. so want nobody okay. snubs all Chris right. Carrawell and
0: gets away with it. That's fair. All right. Yes, Todd.
3: But if Hubert Davis, you know, totally ignored all the assistant coaches before the game, and you, you have that on top of the whole, whether they celebrated him, you know, in Chapel Hill or not, you know, if it's both of those things going on, I could see where maybe a couple assistants, like I'm just going to blow this guy off in the handshake line.
0: But Hubert Davis did acknowledge Coach K, I guess, prior to the game came over. To say hello to him, didn't acknowledge the assistant coaches, apparently, at Duke. Therefore, Duke's assistant coach is a little frosty there. Therein I mean. lies the rub. <laughs> 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 Therein lies the handshake. Yes, Polly.
1: New policy, because the handshake line is big this year. The head coaches shake hands, and then the assistant coaches shake each other's hands. There's no cross-pollination. You just make mm. it even levels.
0: How about just the head coach shake hands with the other head coach, and that's it. Okay. Don't need anything else. Just... Two coaches, teams go to your locker room. That's, that's good. Yeah, Paul.
1: I've been on the losing end in sports of games where, like, the football score was 42-0. to zero, Yeah. And there was nothing worse. And I know it's little kids, but when you go in the line and you, your team had zero, my team had zero, and they had 42, and the kids on the other team go, good game, good game, good, good game. Good, good game. game, good game. We didn't have a good game. No. And actually feel worse by saying good game. Yeah. I've been on that end before.
0: How about if they just said crappy game? Hey, crappy game. Crappy game. <laughs> Terrible game. Game over. Embarrassing game. Game, game, over. game over. Horrible game. Yes, Tom. I never
3: understood the Little League tradition, if the opposing team hit a home run, that the infielders had to stick their hand out and like give him five. I don't know if that happened everywhere, but in Brooklyn, the opposing team would hit a home run. I'm at first base, and as this guy's going around, it just hit a home run off us. The first baseman, second baseman, shortstop, and third baseman all stuck their hands out to slap the guy five that just hit the home never run. Never heard of that. Yep, That happened all the time in Little League. For I time.
0: would never do that.
3: Did not understand that at all.
0: And it didn't happen to you because you didn't hit home runs.
3: That's right. I hit, Actually, I hit three, but it was the very tail end of my career. <laughs> Two in one game, and my dad wasn't even there to see it.
0: Wait, you called it a career?
3: In my Little league career, I was on a couple of All-Star teams. We won the championship one year against my brother's team. He was on McDonald's. I was on Lincoln Savings Bank. Yes. It was great.
0: Right. Well, congratulations. I was
3: 10, he was 12, and we beat his team. It was awesome.
0: Heck yeah, dude. And your dad wasn't there.
3: I, he was there for that, but I hit two of, two of my three home runs that I hit in my entire Little career. I hit two in one game, and he wasn't able to make it for that. Did period. you hit him over the fence? One just made it over the fence. Another one, there was like a, an apartment building next to the fence, so they had to paint a dotted line where the fence would be. So I hit it over that <laughs> line off the wall, and that was considered a home run because there's a building there instead of it just being a fence with stands. You got any pictures? I have a picture of me with my Little League team, like we, we, you know, not of me like playing, but I'm standing next to a bunch of the kids on my Lincoln Savings okay. Bank team. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Well. I struck out 18 batters in a game one time. We lost 3-1 to because I walked like four guys in a yeah. row, and, it was, and like, there were errors and stuff like that. But all six innings, all the outs were strikeouts by me, and we still managed to lose 3-1. <laughs> still can't believe that happened. I was eight years old. 3-1 like, loss. I struck out 18. Every out was a strikeout, and we lost. Okay,
0: it, how about our best career achievement here, athletically? That is that your number one? Time I think so. You struck out, out with a strike. Okay, I mean, lost. That's impressive. In little league, you're bringing cheese. Seton O'Connor. Yeah, little
2: league. It's probably probably my best moment. I I forget how old I was, but we were in the city championship game, and Kirk Astorita was up one out mm. and. I forget, there was like one, somebody on second, I think, and he hits an absolute bomb headed straight towards me. And I am I remember looking over at this kid, Fred Terrace, who was playing center field, like, you better come over here and catch this because there's no way I'm catching this ball. <laughs> and he hits a shot. I just stick my glove up have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Catch it. I'm shocked that, it, that it's actually in my glove, and then I threw it into second to double them up, and that's how we won this, the city championship. Wow. And the next day in the newspaper, they did a write-up on it, and the quote in the newspaper was, O'Connor, comma, who hadn't caught a ball all season, comma, <laughs> made the play. That's a true story. That's uh, good, good reporting, though, to know that little fact. Well, or? I didn't know he was paying attention to my season that closely, but...
0: Marvin... Your career highlight in sports is?
2: Oh, you know what? I'm
4: going to go like seventh grade rec league semifinals, 14 points, 14 rebounds. Okay. And then, like, my job was, like, look, just rebound the ball and give it to somebody else. Yeah. But I was under the glass. I was, man, I was like Barkley.
0: Paulie, your career highlight in sports? It could be the AUAA
1: banked three pointer. No, um, when I was a little kid, I pretty much stunk in sports, uh, football, no highlights. I was in a wrestling tournament once where you had to wrestle like four times in one day to win the tournament, and I won my first three, which for me is pretty nutty back then. And in the finals, I was against this guy that was really good in this wrestling tournament, and he was demolishing me. I think I lost 18-0 to 0 in a wrestling tournament. Hmm. He had me in my back the entire time, but I was bridging and bridging, which you avoid basically avoid being pinned for, I think, six minutes. And I won second place, and my dad was like, nice job not getting pinned, which is... But that felt pretty good. Like it felt like uh, avoiding a loss. It's funny that it's a loss. Hmm. That's it.
0: That's a loss. Yeah. All right. Some phone calls. Uh, I'm trying to think the best. Fritzy's, I think, is the best. He struck out every batter in a loss.
2: Didn't that happen to a Yankees pitcher? Didn't he throw a no hitter and still lose?
0: Yes. uh, He was a former White Sox pitcher, or he might have thrown it against the White Sox. Um, there have been a couple of no-hitters. I think Jim Maloney of the Reds threw a no-hitter and lost. Harvey Haddix had a 12-inning no-hitter and then either got a no-decision or lost. Yes, Paul. Yeah, there's a few. Oh, he, is it
1: Hawkins, Andy Hawkins? Andy Hawkins, July 1st, 1990, against the White Sox for the Yankees. He had a no-hitter. Yeah. Uh, there's been a few combined no-hitter losses as well. Matt Young of the Red Sox in 92 did it against Cleveland, the loss and the no-hitter. Jared Weaver, remember him from the Angels? Yeah, he had a combined no hitter loss.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Todd with the uh, the sports career highlight there. Yes, Todd.
3: But everything balances out because in one summer league, I was on the mound. We have a two, we have a one run lead, two outs, second and third. Supposedly the manager's trying to get my we, attention. We, we're kind of done. Well, this was going to be the worst of my worst. I didn't ask for the worst. Okay, right. it was pretty bad. Oh, all right, go ahead. Brian. Two out, second and third, bottom of the I last inning. I can see inning. the
0: disappointment on your face. It's Steven
3: like... Copps is at the plate. Good hitter. Two out, second and third, bottom of the last inning. This is for the championship. Um, we're winning by one. Supposedly the manager's f- flailing his hands, trying to get my attention to walk this guy to face the next guy. Never heard that. Throw the pitch. Bang. Double over the right center field fence. And instead of getting the big first place trophy, we get the little thimble second place trophy because of me. And I decided to just serve one up to him. Two run double. Game over. We lose.
2: Yeah, Seaton. My worst sports highlight? Also baseball. Uh, we were in an all-star game and we were losing like seven to one or eight to one, something like that, uh, playing this other town. And my team rallies to come back to be down one run. There's two outs. It's like, I'll say seven to six bases loaded, two outs, and I'm up next. And my coach goes to uh, sub me out. And he was just like, nah, we're going to have a pinch hitter. Like O'Connor, you can go sit down. And I blew it like i had a huge temper tantrum i threw my helmet i was like this is crap right i had a bad attitude as a kid i was like this is crap And so the umpire is like, no, he can't. He has to bat unless he's hurt. So then my teammates start going, hey, are you okay? Does your foot hurt? Because even they don't want me to get up, right? And I'm like, oh, my God. So then after all of this, after my teammates are like, no, it's back hurts. Look, he's hurt. I'm like, okay. so then I get up and not only do I strike out, but I struck out on three straight pitches and for some reason tried to bunt on the third strike, (laughs) which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever and we lost the game, and then I had to ride home with the coach that tried to pinch hit me for me and three of the other players on the team. I was bawling. <laughs> Paulie, you got a bad one?
1: Yeah, I would say from birth until now is my worst sports <laughs> moment. It's all bad. I, I, my highlight was a loss, for God's sake. All right.
0: Marvin, you got one just so we got this all out of the way?
4: We lost 19-1 in the Town Championship game in Little League Baseball.
0: Yeah. You know, those things that happen when you're younger, like they still stay with you. I remember being in an all-star game, uh, practice, we're warming up. And I remember I was at shortstop and the guy in left field threw the ball in and then yelled my name. I turned, got hit right in the mouth. They had to take me to the hospital. I'm in the hospital, in the emergency room. My mom is in the hospital Giving birth to my youngest daughter or my youngest sister, and so I'm I'm in the same hospital getting stitched up because I'm supposed to be playing in this All Star game. But the guy just threw it, and then I yelled my name. I turned around, bam, right in the mouth, like just took me off. wasn't able to play in the All Star game. Uh, Let me see. Let me get in one more phone call. Uh, Jay in Syracuse. Hi, Jay. What's on your mind?
5: Howdy, Dan. Uh, second time, long time, 5'9", dad strength, 185. Do a little best and the worst for you here. Um, oh, hand size, 9 and a quarter. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll go with best first. Uh, my Montana State University Bobcats, Class O five. 05, uh, they had something cooking in the kitchen because Chef Raekwon pulled something up from deep that everybody enjoyed. And that was really a big moment for uh, the Bobcats, considering we went and lost the championship game there. So that was pretty good. Sorry, I feel a little bit like Todd flying here. But uh, worst of the weekend is is uh, Syracuse, Todd. You know, we lost uh, another big lead to the Canes. So Kane was able, and uh, we lost twice to them, probably pulled us out of the tournament, and now we're in the non-invited.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Jay.
3: See, that was a bad loss to Miami.
0: Thank you, Todd. This time of the year, they're all bad losses. All right, take a break here. We'll talk to Mike Tenenbaum, the uh, former NFL GM, why he thinks Aaron Rodgers is being selfish. And when this is all said and done, is Aaron Rodgers back in Green Bay or someplace else? And I know that Washington reached out to Seattle and talked about a possible trade for Russell Wilson. You know these things happen. You know quietly. I think Seattle's shopping Russ quietly. Just a feeling. Uh, don't have any definitive information on that, but I, I do. You know, a source has told me that the thought is that Russ is being shopped quietly, and and if they get what they want. Russ still has the no-trade click uh, kicker in there. So there's, they could say, hey, this team, the commanders want you. And he could say, no, I don't want to. I don't want to go there. Because I get the feeling they don't want Russ to be in the NFC either, just like Green Bay doesn't want Aaron Rodgers to be in the NFC if they decide to trade him. We'll take a break. We'll talk to Mike Tannenbaum after this. Um, I got a story for you. Playing golf a couple of months ago, one of my buddies was wearing some uh, golf gear, Link's sole. And then I did some research. So this is a guy I play golf with all the time. Jeff's got Link Soul on. And I said, uh, oh, okay. I said, we're talking to them about maybe being our clothing sponsor. I go out to San Diego because I'm going to go to Mexico with my wife on vacation. And Link Soul is located in Oceanside. So I say to John Ashworth, who started this uh, company, I said, hey, I'm going to be in town. Love to stop by and see all the products. Go to dinner. So I do that, I get back home, and I bring some Link Soul back, and I said to my buddy, hey, and I, gave, I took a picture with uh, John, the founder of Link Soul, and he's like, no, that's my clothing company. So I, I brought him back some gear. Link Soul has dialed us in, including the Danettes, even Fritzy. Fritzy every day has got Link Soul on love now. It. Uh, LinkSoul.com. Let me know what you think about uh, the clothes. A great partnership, LinkSoul.com. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. The compact GLA proves it's not the size of the SUV in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the SUV. Learn more about the nimble and ready for anything Mercedes-Benz vehicle at MBUSA.com. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. More phone calls coming up, best and worst of the weekend. We'll update the poll results as well. Still waiting for a decision with Aaron Rodgers probably tomorrow at the earliest. Also, Seattle uh, apparently turned down a trade request from the Washington Commanders for Russell Wilson. It's bringing Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN front office insider, former Jets GM, and also Dolphins executive. Mike, I saw a couple of days ago where you said Aaron Rodgers was being selfish. Explain why. Why the timing of this that uh, he's selfish?
4: Yeah, great to be with you. Salary cap system, his decision is going to impact a lot of his teammates, specifically Devontae Adams, Preston Smith, Darian Smith, a couple other guys as well. When you look at what Drew Brees and the Saints said, the last four years he was there, Dan, they had the best work in the NFL. It's really simple. You lower the cap charges now and you push them out. If he's going to come back, and don't get me wrong, Aaron Rodgers should be the highest paid player in the game. He deserves whatever he wants. But he's being selfish because until he says, I am back, they can't re-sign some of their players. We just came back from the combine last night. You're already hearing things like Demarcus Lawrence being asked to take a pay cut, other players getting deals done or not. They can't handle their business until the Packers know if Roger's going to be there and how to structure his contract.
0: Why do you think this is taking so much time that he's truly torn between staying in green Bay and going someplace else?
4: I think every day that he's not making a decision, he's closer to leaving. And here's why, like what could he possibly know on March 8th or 9th that he doesn't know today? You know, Dan smartly, about 10 days ago, the Packers hired his old quarterback coach, Tom Clements. There's nothing else that he needs to know. If he was coming back, he should say, Hey, fellas, pay me $50 million a year, lower the cap numbers, bring everyone back. We saw that with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Every day he doesn't see that, I would be scared to death if I'm the Packers and thinking, you know what, we're probably going to have to move on from him and a whole bunch of other players, and we got to rebuild.
0: What's his trade value at that age?
4: Well, I think because of what we saw with Tom Brady, I think it's a minimum of two first-round picks and probably three. You know, if Matt Stafford won for two, I'm probably – if I'm George Payton, the general manager of the Broncos, I'm giving up three first-round picks, and I'm going to be the odds-on favorite to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl next year with Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback.
0: If you're Denver, would you do that? If I said it's going to cost you three first, I was told a long time ago Green Bay has so much confidence in their ability to draft. They want picks. They don't want players. So if you're Green Bay, you get those picks, you give up Aaron Rodgers if you have to. Is that worth it?
4: 100%. You can't overpay greatness. If you have Aaron Rodgers for three years or four years, does it really matter if it costs you an extra first round pick, which by all counts Dan, should be a low pick in the 20s, maybe 31, 32. So the day he walks in the building, you have a meaningful chance to win the championship. And by the way, Dan, that gives you about four or five years to try to draft his replacement as well.
0: I'm also trying to figure out what's going on in Seattle because I feel like they're quietly shopping Russell Wilson, and he's got the you know he he can uh, got the uh, trade uh, kicker in there that he can't be traded. He can veto that. So, what is what should Seattle do?
4: I totally agree. They they should rebuild. If I was Seattle, John has done a great job there as their GM. They have the fourth best team in the NFC West. If you could get multiple first-round picks, and to me where it all lines up is Philadelphia, go get their three ones. Philadelphia with Russell Wilson has a chance to win the NFC East, and now if you're Seattle, you could rebuild. Because right now, if you're there with Russell Wilson, you're looking up at not only the Rams but the 49ers, and Arizona made the playoffs with Kyle Murray. So if I'm them, we had a great run with Russell, but now is the time to restart.
0: Yeah, but I wonder if that's the place that Russ would want to go. It, it, now, I, I think Philadelphia is a lot better than what people think. I just don't know um, if that's that, that's a team that Russ would want to go to. And would Seattle let him go to the NFC?
4: No, that's totally fair. Now, with that said, the other place I think is fascinating to me is Pittsburgh. You have a championship head coach. You got a championship defense. And the pitch I would make if I was Pittsburgh is, hey, look, our defense is as good as what Tampa's was two years ago Tom Brady came down. We won a championship. You bring Russell Wilson in with Chase Claypool, Najee Harris, and that defense, they have a chance to win a championship. And, Dan, this is really hard for us to say, but Pittsburgh has to figure out how are they going to close the gap with none other than the
0: Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. But how do you quietly shop somebody, Mike?
4: That's how we got Brett Favre when I was at the Jets. That's your job. you got to be a great listener. you got to call every team all the time and you have to say hey is russell wilson available and tell us what the bill is when you're when you're dealing with guys like a russell wilson and aaron Rodgers, there's not a ton of negotiations it's more of like here's the bill do you want to pay it and again based on my experience dan you pay bills you can't overpay greatness in terms of quarterback we just came back from the combine there's really not a lot of answers there this year and there's about at least 12 teams that need a quarterback. If I could get Wilson or Rogers, I'm not letting the other team get off the phone.
0: But when you called the Packers about Brett Favre, get, take me into those discussions. How does it work?
4: Well, he really wanted to go to Tampa Bay and pay for John Gruden at the time and wanted nothing to do with going to New York in the Northeast. So we actually spent a lot of time convincing him that where we were, there was farms and he could go hunting. In fact, I said, Brett, if you don't, hunt every single Tuesday, your day off, I'm going to find you. There will be mandatory hunting and fishing as a New York Jet. Um, And we just kept trying to understand what his concerns were, because Green Bay, ironically, with Aaron Rodgers sitting there, knew they were in great shape at the quarterback position. And what we had going for us was they really wanted him in the AFC more than the NFC. So that, that really helped our advantage. And again, fast forward to today, Dan, if I'm sitting there as the Packers, I would much prefer to trade Aaron Rodgers to the Denver Broncos than the 49ers or any other team in the NFC.
0: Yeah, but I also wonder if Green Bay knew what they had in Jordan Love, would they be going through any of this right now?
4: I think Green Bay had the right strategy and poorly executed. And what I mean by that is two years ago, they said, hey, you know what? We got to be prepared for Aaron Rodgers graduating. And what happened was they traded a fourth round pick. Whoops. They traded a fourth round pick to go up and get Jordan Love, they have more questions than answers with him. And if I was them, I would just keep adding one. And that's what the great Ron Wolf did. Matt Houselbet, Mark Brunel, Aaron Brooks. All those quarterbacks were developed under Brett Favre. They need that same mindset because the only grade you really can give Jordan Love, Dan, is a grade incomplete, but they have to keep that mindset of keep adding another quarterback.
0: Would you rather have Aaron Rodgers for three years or Russell Wilson for five?
4: Rodgers for three because I think he's the best player on the planet. And again, if we were running a team, Dan, we'll keep looking for his replacement. But when you have a chance to win a championship, it's hard to say no to that.
0: Would you rather have Rodgers for one year or Brady for one year?
4: Probably Brady. I got twenty years of scar tissue and that guy. <laughs> Who would you take, Dan?
0: For one year, I would take Rodgers. I would. Why is that? Um, I think he can do more with less. I think Brady, when it's structured, when it's it, like he he has the right people in the right place, I think Rodgers can make things happen. I don't think Tom makes those things happen. Um, all things equal, that Tom gets to pick his team and Aaron gets to pick his team, I'd probably take Tom, but, you know, you don't get to always do that.
4: Let's spice it up a little bit. Right. I'd rather have Tom Brady at his salary and his lesser demands economically than Rodgers as his, because if we have Tom, we could bring back a lot
0: more of the band okay. than Rodgers could. Okay, uh, how much is Tom gonna cost you?
4: What do you for about 25, 26 billion in Tampa, where Rodgers will probably take, probably double that. If, if Mahomes is at 45, I think Rodgers, if he plays, will be north of 50.
0: Yeah, and I think that's fair when you bring in the money, but um, do you think Tom Brady's done?
4: No, I don't. You know why? He could have told the entire planet when he was on with jim gray that i am done unequivocally and i think if you cut tom brady in half dan what's going to ooze out of him is a (laughs) world-class competitor and you're a great dad i like to think i'm a good dad you could take your kids to school and that's all well and good but (laughs) it's tom Brady. like how many times can you take the garbage out to the end of the driveway right i mean even as long of a driveway as he has like at some point right guys still play at a high level
0: How do you pursue Tom Brady if you're the Niners?
4: Oh, that's easy. I am relentless. I am saying this is about your legacy. This is your hometown. And we'll talk to Tampa Bay. You tell them that you're not going to play there. I live this, unfortunately, because what happened was, Favre was like, look, I want to play one more year, and I don't want to play here anymore. It worked out for us at the Jets because we had just hired Rex Ryan. We wanted to draft somebody to build with Rex. we, We got fortunate and worked out. We drafted Sanchez, won a whole bunch of games together. But if I was the 49ers, I would call up Joel Glazer, the owner of the Buccaneers, and just say, hey, he's not playing there anymore. We we want to sign him for, you know, one more year, and we'll give you something, because if not, he's just going to rot away on your reserve retired list. So why not get at least something for him, and then at the right time, have Tom put some pressure on, and that could be more of a July conversation, to be candid.
0: Yeah, but, you know, Bruce Arian said it's bad for business if all of a sudden you're letting Tom kind of dictate what goes on here.
4: Yeah, what's worse for business, Bruce, is if you get nothing for a guy that says he wants to play, but he just wants to play for his hometown. So um, it could get really sticky. And, again, I actually lived it, Dan. I thought through those machinations of, like, we may tell Brett he can't go anyplace else. But I was just thinking, like, at the end of the day, if the guy doesn't want to be there, you're really stopping progress of your own organization. So at some point, cut your losses, get what you can, and move on. Because at some point, either Kyle Trask or Blaine Gabbert, someone's going to be the guy for them in Tampa Bay. And if Tom wakes up on July 4th and said, hey, you know, th- these carpools are a little bit too much for me, and uh, I want to play for my hometown, I think it'd be hard for Tampa to stop that.
0: All right, we have a bet here. Uh, Paulie, my producer, thinks that a quarterback is selected the first 13 picks of this draft. The over-under is 13 and a half. Now, any quarterback is going to go in the top 13 picks. Where do you want to uh, weigh in on that?
4: I'm going to take the under. I was there. um, there There's a lot more questions than answers this year. And and with that said, if you and I, again, were having a conversation in three years, I think Kenny Pickett will be a decent starter. I think Malik Willis is super intriguing because he's really well-built. He just needs a little polish. And I think... They'll be drafted, but I think it's lower in the teens at the earliest.
0: Oh, so you're taking the over. So there's not a quarterback selected in the first 13. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I
4: bet under like lower in the round, but yes. Okay. 18, 19, 20, somewhere in there.
0: When does hand size matter with these quarterbacks?
4: Great question, Dan. Context is everything. Kenny Pickett's had 27 fumbles and lost 11. of them. It's meaningful with him if... We're talking about a guy that never had any fumbles. He could have six-inch hands. It wouldn't matter. But the fact that they were sub-nine inches and he's had ball security. Now, with that said, if you and I were running a team, we could still take him, but we'd be sitting there talking about what's our plan for him, what's the ball security drills, like how are we going to work on this? Every player has strengths and weaknesses, but his hand side is meaningful because he's had 27 fumbles in his career.
0: What's the uh, 33 team? Is that you're teaching at Columbia? Is that part of that? Well, yeah, you're
4: slightly different. So the 33rd team is a bunch of coaches like Doug Pearson, Dan Quinn, that when they weren't with the team, they wanted to stay current. And we have some rock star grad students that are supporting them. And we're just putting out free content to the world. That's sort of like th- just looking at things from behind the curtain. We had Brian Schottenheimer just write an article about what it's like to be a quarterback coach at the combine. We had Bill Pulling write an article why he hired Tony Dungy and it's just to try and bring people behind the scenes. It's 3013.com and, uh, we have a free newsletter.
0: But you're also teaching a course at Columbia university, aren't you?
4: I, I am. So I squeeze that in between my responsibilities at ESPN. So we do that, uh, every Tuesday in the fall and that's the business of the NFL. And, um, it's great. There's so much to talk about, uh, around the league and, uh, there's a whole bunch of grad students that are way smarter than their professors. So I think <laughs> I learn as much from them as they learn from me.
0: Help me understand this. Sam Howell, the North Carolina quarterback, goes in for his interview with the Eagles, and as soon as he walks in, they have him do Papa Shot. What What are you looking for there uh, if you're the Eagles?
4: Com- competitors. You know, like Pete Carroll is really known for that. Like Pete, in, in his team meetings, will have an offensive guy against a defensive guy. And he wants them competing at everything. And I think you're looking. You know, Coach Parcells has a great expression, Dan. Like you want a battlefield commander as a quarterback. So, does he hit the shot? Does he command the room? Does he handle adversity? I can't tell you how many times, Dan, over the years in Indy, we have taken quarterbacks off our board where we would show some interceptions and we would say, "Hey, take us through that play." And they would blame the play call, they blame the receiver, <laughs> they blame, and like they're they're off the board. So you learn a lot about people that way.
0: What if they're right? What, what if their assessment of the play was it was a bad call? You know, uh, it, it, that receiver made a, the wrong pattern.
4: Yeah, no, that's fair, Dan. But you got to be Aaron Rodgers or Pat, Patrick Mahomes and have a little equity in that conversation first.
0: You don't think you don't think Aaron Rodgers would blame the play calling or uh, his wide receiver coming out of cow? He would, hundred
4: percent. But you know it's interesting you say that Aaron Rodgers slid for a lot of reasons back in the day. And we didn't interview him when he came out, but I'll tell you like intangibles matter, especially at that. What what was the
0: criticism of Rodgers and why he, he fell to the first. And,
4: you know, he was a junior college transfer. First of all, you know, he was not, and now look, nowadays that wouldn't matter at all. Back then there was all sorts of studies about being a 30, 40 game starter. Um, and I think there were some questions about, you know, leadership. And look, at the time, the irony was, you know, Alex Smith went one and Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator of the 49ers. Mike Dillon was the head coach. They picked Alex Smith over Aaron Rodgers. McCarthy becomes the head coach of the Packers and the rest is history. So the ultimate irony was if McCarthy, as the offensive coordinator of the 49ers, had selected Aaron Rodgers, think about how much history would have been different for Mike Nolan at the time, Aaron Rodgers, and McCarthy in Green Bay.
0: Great stuff as always, Mike. We appreciate your time. Thank you. You make us smarter.
4: Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, Big fan of your show and really appreciate you having me.
0: That's Mike Tannenbaum, the ESPN NFL front office insider, former Jets GM. He's got strong opinions, and that's what I like because a lot of times you get guys who were in the business, they still want to stay in the business, but they don't give you opinions. And I always appreciated that with Mike, that uh, sometimes it's not popular but if that's how he really feels that's when they're a great guest yes Paul
1: it's got to be so tough on a quarterback at the combine if you're interviewing with a team and your wide receiver did wrong run the wrong pattern yeah. and you're being honest but you're like i can't be honest like i got to say you know what that was on us we just didn't get it done and that's you know like what do you say
0: i think you have to take the team approach of you know what maybe there's miscommunication but it's ultimately it's it's on me ultimately it's on me if i if i'm a gm a scout, front office person, I want to hear, it's on me. I don't want to defer. Because if you're a smart enough GM, coach, scout, you'll know what the real answer is. You'll appreciate me taking the bullets for everybody else. Yes, but aren't you in
2: that moment kind of saying, like, uh, you have trouble communicating with your teammates?
0: <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't even say that. I'd just say, look, it, ultimately it's on me. Yeah, it's like, oh, there must the have throw. been a miscommunication. No, like, I wouldn't oh, even so do that. Fault. I wouldn't even do that. I would just say, it's on me. I made the throw. No matter what else happened there, I have to make the correct throw there. That that way, I'm going to leave it up to you. Because they already know what the answer is. That's why they're asking you the question. They want to see what you're going to say. Yeah, Pauling. What if you're a quarterback
1: and you're the complete opposite? You're so cocky. It had to be someone else's yeah. fault because it wasn't a touchdown. <laughs> it was a touchdown. That's my fault. You go the complete opposite way and be completely cocky.
0: Take a break, our last break, and uh, we'll get some more phone calls here as we close up shop. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app.
3: I mean, that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things Hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move. And tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from.
0: We started the show talking about LeBron James, and LeBron gets upset not using the word he used, but he gets upset that he's not considered one of the great scorers of all time. I would view it as a compliment because a scorer feels like you're one-dimensional. And LeBron is not one-dimensional. LeBron, to me, is the best all-around basketball player in the history of the game. He's a great scorer, great passer, rebounder, uh, finisher. Uh, He's been big in clutch moments. There's a lot of great things about him, not just a scorer. Alex English was a score. Carmelo Anthony, score. Carl Malone, score. Although he was a little bit more than that. Adrian Dantley, score. That's when you thought of them, you thought of that that George Gervin, scorer. LeBron's not a scorer like that. LeBron's a great basketball player. It's like Kareem. I think Kareem was always short-sighted where people would go, oh, he just has that sky hook. Well, when he first came into the league, he was giving you 30 and 18. And probably five blocks. He was the best player in the game. And it wasn't close. But I think sometimes, I don't know, it feels like LeBron is looking for arguments. And, and maybe you could say it's working because this year, he might lead the league in scoring at 37. The last time he was averaging that, he was 23. I mean, this is, this is crazy. It's a whole new generation that he's doing this against. But, you know, he, get, he had this to say uh, on his show, The Shop, about being labeled a great scorer.
4: The crazy thing is I'm not, I'm not like, a, a natural scorer. I like, I loved, like, getting my guys involved. I've always been that way. I've always, like, the, the, the point of seeing my teammate succeed off my pass or have, having, like, I've always been that type of guy. And to sit at the top of the food chain and the most points scored in, in the history of the game, it's like, it's weird to me. Like they don't never, they don't call, they don't ever call me. They don't never call me. when they talk about the, the best scores of all time, they never mention my name. Didn't it piss you off? Yeah, it pissed me off.
0: Okay. Babe Ruth was considered the greatest home run hitter, but he was the greatest player because he also won nearly 100 games pitching. He had a really high batting average, like 340. Like, you know, there are guys who just hit home runs. Dave Kingman hit home runs. Jim Tomey hit home runs. Great home run hitters. Mark McGuire hit home runs. We don't consider them great baseball players, all-around baseball players. That's why LeBron... Who cares what people think? All said and done, you're going to be leading the league. You're going to have more points than anybody ever played the game. You're going to be up there and assist. I mean, it's just... Unless he uses it as motivation. If that's the case, good for him, because he's going to need that motivation. Yeah, Paul.
1: The last time LeBron led a league in scoring was oh seven oh eight at 30 points per game. The other leading scorers after LeBron, Kobe Bryant, Allen Iverson, Carmelo Anthony, Amari Stoudemire, Kevin mm. Martin of Sacramento, mm. Dirk Nowitzki, Michael Redd of Milwaukee, Richard Jefferson, Chris Bosh.
2: Yes, Seaton. It does kind of feel like all of these things are aligning, where LeBron's not considered a great scorer, uh, the Lakers kind of stink right now, but he's going to this. He's gonna show how great of a scorer he is by putting the team on his back and getting them into the playoffs.
0: Doesn't it feel like that narrative is sort of developing right now in front of our eyes? Well, this feels like a disappointing year. It's going to end up as a disappointing year, but let's make it a positive. I'm going to talk about my scoring. Mm. I'm going to pass Carl Malone, and I'm going to be second on the all-time list going into next season. Mm. That That it feels like the scoring list is going to be more important, but... You know, he's not a great shooter. He is a great scorer. I've said that all along. Imagine if he if, if he was a great shooter to go along with that ability to score. He'd already have the record. Uh, Derek in Indiana. Hi, Derek. What's on your mind today?
6: Hey, good afternoon. Uh, six foot, 210. I have a quick best and worst, and then I have a question for you regarding Coach K. Yeah. Best, a good friend of mine, Logan, won a local pool tournament. Easily dominated the competition, so I'm proud of him. And then worst of the week, got catfished on a blind date. But let me get to my question here. Um, Wait, what happened they, on the on the blind date? Um, well, you guys were just talking about LeBron. Um, she was bald and somewhat built like LeBron. Maybe Anthony Mason, rest in peace. Um and so just a little op- – just not doesn't – didn't look not anything like, you know, the pictures on her profile, but it's okay. You okay, know, the so she
0: she showed up. So it's false advertising. Yes. Was this a guy who showed up? No, it was a girl
6: just built like Dominique Wilkins maybe. Okay, all right. Okay, yeah. And then so with the question, Dan, if you were <laughs> reffing Coach K's farewell game, is there – Any scenario verbally that anything that Coach K could have done verbally to get a double technical from you that you sent him out?
0: No. No. No, I'm not going to run him. I'm not going to run him. I Unless he threw a chair, (laughs) then I might have to run him. But no, no, I'm not. You can't run him.
1: This day in sports history, Paulie. you like this, Dan. 1954, the NBA raised the baskets from 10 feet to 12 feet for an exhibition game between the Minneapolis Lakers and the Milwaukee Hawks. And then uh, 1982, NCAA uh, Selection Committee, they showed the picks for the first time for the college basketball tournament. And in 1983, ESPN televised the first live professional game on cable. The game was between the USFL's Birmingham Stallions and the Michigan Panthers. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I like this week, championship week, because you get a chance to see some of these conferences that you wouldn't normally see. And it feels like there's you know, five to seven games every night. Where it's coming down to great stories, buzzer beater. You know, Loyola Chicago's back in. Sister Jean is one oh two. She's one hundred and two years of age. Going back to uh, March Madness, she
1: looks ninety five. <laughs>
0: she, does. I saw her. She looks okay, gray. you can say that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like that. Uh, Todd, what'd you learn today?
3: Mike Tadema believes the longer it takes for Aaron Rodgers to make a decision, the closer he is to leaving the Green Bay Packers.
2: Seton O'Connor. Two players helped shape Coach K's legacy. Isn't that what you said? Johnny Dawkins and Christian Leitner? And, and Grant Hill, those three. Oh, three. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah three. Marv, would you learn?
1: First, he's still traumatized from Little League.
2: Yeah. Paul and Cops.
1: Small hands not going away.
0: Callaway's new Rogue ST irons are their longest irons ever. Once again, that segue never works with Marvin. And now they built four high-performing models for every type of golfer. Rogue ST Max, Pro, Max OX, Max OS Lite. Find your... Rogue ST driver today CallawayGolf.com slash go rogue. One more item as we close out this Monday show. Stiefel's been doing it for over 130 years. Wait, how long? 130? What do they do? Well, they're going to help you manage your investment portfolio. Retirement's a huge step. When it comes to investing for retirement, most people can't afford to make mistakes. If that's your situation, you probably have a lot of questions on your mind. Stiefel's been helping clients managing those investments for over 130 years. Your Stiefel financial advisor can help you create personalized retirement plans, understand your options for claiming social security, and implement an investment portfolio that's designed around your needs. Plus, Stiefel clients have access to Stiefel's award-winning equity research, and investment strategy views so you make more informed decisions regarding your portfolio. Find your Stiefel advisor at stiefel.com. You spell it S-T-I-F-E-L. Stiefel.com, Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.